0: And we are live and ready to go. Welcome to a very exclusive and special episode of Let's Talk Law Enforcement. I want to welcome back my new co-host. And she's she's going to bring that other side to my craziness and my so-called madness, as you guys say, that you know, I go overboard on some things, so she's gonna bring me back. So, welcome back to the show, Keith.
1: Thank you very much, Kenny. Good evening, everyone.
0: Hey, listen, let's get into it. Hey, let's do it, right? So, listen, I've gotten a lot of requests about, um, you know, this episode, right? Because a lot of people are not clear as to what happened back in April 2015, and if there's anything that I'm not clear about as far as dates and time make sure you correct me on it and you know you know i had a problem with that but a lot of people were not clear with exactly what happened to freddie gray and why the criminal charges were dropped and you know why these officers weren't prosecuted to the fullest extent of the laws. they say so i had a lot of people ask me about that right so I'm gonna ask you that first question. <laughs> you you on that task force? What happened? What well, happened? let me
1: go back and, and and first let me quantify that um, the task force bit. So when great incident happened, I was a member. We called then the force investigation team. So what we were responsible for was we were responsible for. Investigating police involved shootings and police involved incidents where the use of force um, resulted in serious injury to um, a suspect or anybody involved in that incident. Okay. So, in this case, in custody death is also something that we investigated. Now, we've investigated many in custody deaths, you know, things happen. Um, you know, over the years, people die in custody. So it's happened. So to us, this was just another in custody death that we had to investigate.
0: Said this was just another um, use of force you guys had to investigate?
1: So, yes. Initially, that's what it came across as, just another, um, not use of force, but an in custody death. So, um, but once it hit, but you remember the time that this happened, Was around the Mike Brown situation and around the Eric Garner situation in New York. So, this was, uh, you know, urban city, who dies at the hands of police officers. So, of course, it's going to be, it's going to make the news. But we, when it made national news and then it made worldwide news, that took it to another level. So, my small unit consisted of six detectives. So we elicited the help from homicide. We had help from internal affairs. We had help from forensic um, detectives who reviewed video footage. Anybody that can help come in and try to figure out what happened to Mr. Gray. We were not in it to prove that these officers were innocent. We weren't trying to you know, prove that they did nothing wrong. We were in it strictly to figure out what happened
0: right okay so
1: yeah that that was my position there so back to your first question
0: okay that that answered all right so that's pretty (laughs) fair right so with with that part of it being said and we know as police officers um you know we're gonna get the scrutiny that comes that comes with the job especially with use of force nowadays and and i think most people understood that but When, and I'm just saying this as just looking at the video from what I, you know, what I saw. And of course, um, you know, I was down in D.C. looking up and like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) But I also saw, and you know this from experience, when we tend to lock people up, sometimes they put, they perform, they put on an act for the public, right? They do certain things. They yell certain things right? Because this is the way I get, I'm not going to say sympathy, but, you know, you know how it works. So, if I can make make the situation worse than it is for the police, or if I can, you know, kind of amp it up a little bit, I can do it. And for me, looking at it from that viewpoint, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I look like he kind of, you know, he's performing it a little bit, right? He's yeah, doing, yeah, He's doing his thing, he's taking his bows and whatever, so... I didn't think anything of it. Now
1: and, 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 and I don't mean to cut you off, but Mr. Gray was um notorious for that. You know, right. he was familiar to the office. They had locked him up several times. He's a neighborhood, you know, he's one of the ones that we all know from the neighborhood and we knew what he was up to. So yes, you know, when they when they, it was there was two videos. So of course there was the one that was released to the media. And and we're here to we're here tonight to talk about the truth, the real. You know, so forget about what you heard on, you know, saw on the the TV, the news. You know, forget about the rumors you heard um, from YouTube videos or whatever. I was there, up close and personal, from start to finish. Right. So I'm gonna give you the real. And there was two videos. Of course, there's the video that was released to the media that had been edited, right. and it, all, you know, all you see is right. him being like, tossed into the back of this wagon. Right. And you know that's it. That's but there was the video that the original was him. And, I, and it, when it first came out, this video was released, but it quickly um,
0: vanished. It quickly
1: lost, <laughs> it, yeah, it vanished, right? <laughs> so, and the only video everybody saw was the second video. But that video showed him step up on that. I guess there's that platform to the back of the mm-hmm. wagon, that first set yep. of the doors. He stepped up in the wagon and actually gave a head nod to the crowd. And then he ducked his own head under and walked into the back of the wagon on his own. So it directly contradicts the fact that this man could not stand up when he got in the wagon. But that's not the video that the public saw. Right. What they saw coincides with the statement that was given that he couldn't walk when he got in the back of the wagon. And that was not true.
0: Exactly. And that's just what I was about to bring up. I saw that video. Right, I actually saw uh-huh. it. So when I saw it, I'm like, "Okay, this is a done deal." Right, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. All right, something happened." But I looked at it, and I'm like, "Oh, uh, okay." And a few days later, they showed the video. I'm sure show, showed a picture of him in a hospital in a coma. And of course, again, I, I'm we're not making light of his death, but what yeah. I'm making what I'm making light of is how the media kind of distorts stuff because it showed, you know, him on the breathing tube, you know, the worst possible mm-hmm. picture it could have shown to the public. And yeah. that's when everybody started coming out with the, you know, a particular preacher in Baltimore. You oh know. my We're we
1: we not name, we not naming names. I
0: can't I can't name names. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> hey, I listen, I've tangled with him. And I'm going to get back on point, but you know, I tangled with him back with my shooting. Back with ah, my shooting, right? All right? Because he came out kind of like the same way. That's when he was starting his advocacy, you know, and all that stuff with you know, he shot him in his you know that whole scenario and story everybody's
1: trying was, to make a name for themselves right. and be relevant. He shot him yeah.
0: in his head while he was praying, on his knees praying to God. And I'm sitting absolutely, like, bruh. <laughs> no right, so we had our wall. I'm sorry, we had our words, right? So I mm-hmm. had no problem with saying it. Jamal Bryant, and to me, he, he respectfully he fleeced the city of Baltimore mm-hmm. with that whole scenario of I came to town, I set up a circus camp down, and, and I got in cahoots because that's what like right? I got in cahoots with the, the state's attorney. And we both tried to make a name for ourselves. Now, to get back on point, when he passed away, you know, the first thing, you know, you kind of like, all right, well, what was the cause of death, that type of deal? So I want you to get into that. And like I said, I'm going to let you go with it because everybody that reached out to me was like, bruh, we want to hear it from her and somebody that actually investigated. So go ahead. Take it away from that point.
1: All right, so I'm gonna try to walk you through the timeline. And as I'm t- as I, as I'm telling the story, please, if you have questions along the way, stop me, and let's let's talk about it. All right, so we talked about the initial, you know, getting him in the van. But remember, it started with this foot chase, you know. Right. And we know which, and it doesn't matter what what reason. So I want to make that clear. I'm not, you know, he was out there doing what he was doing. Is what it is. But, you know, we talked to witnesses and everybody says, yeah, well, we know what he was up to. And they said he hadn't even had a chance to set up yet. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, what one of the witnesses said. He was out there early in the morning, hadn't had a chance to set up yet. We know what that means. So anyway, and so did the officers that were investigating right. the drug activity. And let's even go back before that. Remember, the order to even be in that area for that bike squad for Lieutenant Rice and those officers that have been out there that day was because... Marilyn Mosby's husband was, he was the councilman of that district. Yep. Yep. And the major of the Western District reached out, and well, actually, he reached out to the major because citizens were complaining about the drug activity. Thank you. So you you know how that goes, so that stuff rolls down here. Something coming from City Hall, you you know the major's got to put together a squad to take action. Thank
0: you. Thank <laughs>
1: so that, you. Let's so talk about why they were out there in the first in the place. First
0: place. Yeah. Thank you.
1: They were Big asked point. to be out there.
0: Big point. By the citizens.
1: By the citizens the in that district.
0: There you go. Because yeah. they're tired of the drug activity. They're tired of open air drug markets. They want the police to do something. We want them locked up. There we right. go. That's how a Here lot of this stuff starts. All right. Take it So
1: let's roll. All right. So on that job they see they spot Mr. Gray you know he's doing his suspicious activity he takes off running they know each other you know you see police it's like we I see you see me see you I'm out so he they take off running after him they finally catch up to him um arrest him and we can get into the the legal legalities of whether they had probable cause to arrest him or not you know but anyway they end up finding they search him they end up Sorry. They end up finding this switchblade, which in the media, it says that it was legal, meaning he had every right to have that switchblade. That's not true. Any spring assisted knife is illegal in the city of Baltimore. So that. Illegal, not legal. Um. So once they found that on him, they had probable cause to arrest him. So they placed him under arrest. While he was waiting for the wagon, they had him, I'm trying to, okay, so they they called it a leg lock. So part of arresting him, at some point there was a leg lock, apparently. What we did was to dispel the untruth that that leg lock caused his legs not to work. We actually had an academy instructor and another officer that was the same size and stature as Freddie Gray, we put him in that leg lock for, I think we, we went over, we did like five minutes longer than what they originally had him in the leg lock for. Just to prove that that leg lock would not stop him from walking. And we also had um, a doctor come in and talk to us and, and, and pretty much what he concluded was that leg lock would not have caused any citizen, any person not to be able to walk. He even said that sitting on the toilet <laughs> would cause your legs to fall asleep faster and not work oh, than okay. that leg lock would. You know what I'm saying? Right. so everything right. we could possibly do to dispel these untruths and to, you know, this this is not, it, it, there was no reason why he wasn't walking, other than right. he chose not to. Right. So anyway,
0: yeah, they get not- him in
1: the back of the van. He has a crowd now. Citizens started calling and calling in complaints. That's what they did. Right. So to get out of the area and get away from all the hoopla and the media and the citizens yelling and screaming at police officers, they drove down a couple blocks. At that point, Freddie Gray was rocking the van and carrying on. So that's where they shackled him. But they right. shackled him away from the crowd, had him lay face down. Now, of course, the uh, the policies on seat belting in passengers within those police vans have changed. Right. And it was actually changed six days before this incident happens. But let me explain. When policies get changed, it takes a minute for officers, for that for that information to trickle down right. to patrol. Right. So six days, the policy was just changed right before this happened. But right. patrol hadn't been warned. I mean, they hadn't been trained yet on this new policy. Exactly. The policy hadn't been disseminated yet, for exactly. real.
0: Exactly. Because everybody got signed so, it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it takes time. <laughs> it could <laughs> take months before the whole department yep. Is trained on this new policy. Let's let's yeah. be let's be honest. Yeah. So yes, it was changed, but the officers didn't know. They were still going to, going according to old policy. An old safety policy was. And Kenny, you know, if you lay a passenger down on the floor, that is the safest way. Because if, yeah. if if the van stops, all they're going to do is roll from side to side. They're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: If Happened he would have day. laid still and remained shackled, he would be alive. Yep.
0: Yeah. Today,
1: you know, today. But we can't. I don't want to blame, you know. But things happen. So at some point, we know that he stood up in the back of the wang, in the back of the vag, in the back of the wagon. I'm sorry. Right. He, there was an injury consistent in the top of his head and his skull. That was the size and shape of a bolt that was on the back of the wagon door, the inside. So at some point, we believe that he went forward while standing. His head hit that bolt. Which caused the neck injury, right? That's what we believe. Again, we don't know because there wasn't cameras in there, and he's not here to tell us,
0: right?
1: Right. But that would make sense according to the evidence, and that's what the medical examiner explained to us, right? So, I used to always believe, and I know this is going to sound crazy, that I thought if your neck was broken, like you die immediately. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, yeah. Always, that's always been something I believe, but right. you know, I've come to realize you can walk around with a broken neck, and oh, wow. Yeah, and not realize that you're badly injured. Oh wow. So, right. so we believe at that point he did suffer the neck injury. I'm not a doctor, you know, and there were several stops where because they came in with Officer Porter. He was the Caesar Goodson was the transport officer. Right. Officer uh uh Porter. They called Porter to help when he was still acting up during the transport. Caesar pulled over. I can't remember the first stop right off. I'm sorry. But Officer Porter opened up the back of the wagon and said, hey, look, man, calm down, chill out. So at that point, I think Mr. Gray was back on the the floor of the van, according to Officer Porter. And he said, come on, man, get up. Sit on the bench. Get up. Mr. Gray said, I can't get up. Help me up. The reason... Officer Porter was charged with neglect is because at that point they believe he should have called a medic. So Uh that's why that happened. Now, he's not a doctor. I don't think he saw anything that would give him cause to think that he needed medical attention. Medical
0: attention,
1: right. Right. So it was one of those things where, do I think it was maliciously done? No, absolutely not. I think it was just an oversight and not, you know, giving the officer any excuses. He probably should have called a medic at that point. All right. So then we get to the stop on North Avenue. That's the infamous stop where the second suspect was put in the, in the wagon. Right. And he gives two statements. He gives one statement that um, there was Mr. Mr. Gray was acting up and still banging on it, banging inside the wagon when he right. got in the wagon. Right, And then he talks to Jane Miller. Now, let me let the listeners know I'm going to be real with y'all. Jane Miller is the girlfriend of one of the attorneys on the case <laughs> so we couldn't okay. figure out how Jane Miller was getting all this inside the information, information
0: too,
1: right, right. <laughs> so her girlfriend was on the legal team wow right so some way somehow they got to this young man and he wow. ends up changing his story wow yeah, and then he said yeah, I didn't talk to police. I talked to homicide. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, homicide is the police. It's the <laughs> <laughs> you No, know, so this young man, I don't know why he changed the story, but somebody got to him and he changed yeah, his story.
0: Right. They did. They did. Oh, yeah.
1: Right. So mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think. All right. So here we are. We're at the North Avenue stop. <sighs> There's pictures, there's video of several officers standing around the back of the wagon attempting to talk to him. At that point, that's where Sergeant Alicia White came to the scene. She came to the scene because, remember, I said the crowd was initially calling for a supervisor.
0: Right.
1: They were making complaints from the scene. So by the time she got the call to come out, she had to end up meeting them at North Avenue because they had left the original location. Right. Okay. And she wanted to check on Mr. Gray and make sure he was okay. Okay. So she comes to the back of the wagon. According to her statement, she says, I opened the back of the wagon, um, asked Mr. Gray if he wanted to talk to me because she had received complaints on his behalf. She said he did not answer her like as if he was ignoring her. Now, what did the media say? The media said he was unresponsive. (laughs) There is a difference between not answering an officer's questions And I'm being unresponsive. Unresponsive sounds like he's unconscious. Right.
0: Exactly.
1: Just laying there. Just laying there. You know, and no officer in their right mind would have let somebody just lay there and be unconscious and do nothing.
0: Right.
1: So I asked them, as the investigator, I specifically asked one of the officers at the scene. Um, It wasn't one of the original six. He was one of the backup officers that was handling the arrest of the other gentleman. He said, I said, what position was Mr. Gray in when you saw him? He said he was on his knees kneeling in front of the police bench. I wish I could paint a picture for the listeners, um, for the non-law enforcement listeners, but we know what the police wagon looks like in the back, but they don't. Right, um, right. But he was on his knees like in a praying position is what, I could, right. what he described it as. And I said, well, how was his neck? Was his neck like drooped? Was his head? He said, no, he was looking straight, looking straight ahead. And he wasn't answering questions. So, I think at that point, everybody's like, okay, on to the next stop. He's not answering questions. Nothing I can do here.
0: That's so, right.
1: Sergeant White leaves. So, that's why she got charged. <laughs> so, she was charged with, you know, part of this. This. this uh, and I'll, I'll run down the charges in a minute. Why she ended up being charged. Anyway, so they leave North Avenue. And they end up going to the Western District. Now, in between these calls, there was a medic call for him. This is. It, it seems like this is like Lemony Smicket's um, series of unfortunate events, right? Right. That led to the death of Mr. Gray. Um, when they called for a medic, they sent. And there's there's a difference between a paramedic and EMTs,
0: right?
1: This, these are things that you know came out in in the course of all this. I just thought paramedics were paramedics. I don't know how, but that's what I just. I thought everybody was equipped to do the same job. No. So the medics that responded were not equipped to handle somebody who was, at that point, when they got to the Western District, he was um, unresponsive. They get there. They were not equipped. They got their calls mixed up. So their own dispatch, the fire department dispatch, mixed up the calls and sent the wrong medic unit. Hmm. So they get there. They were not equipped to handle an unresponsive victim. So I interviewed the medics myself and i asked him i said okay well when you encountered mr gray in the back of the wagon what did you do kenny you and i are both first responders we know the first thing you do to check an un- unresponsible unconscious patient is to check the airway and what do we do when we check an airway we, we put the that hand head down and yeah. took the chin right Right, right. <laughs> right. I'm not right. a doctor, and let me reiterate, right. I'm not a doctor. But if a person has a break, broken neck, and I wish I could actually have some visual aid here to 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 show the listeners, but if your his his neck bones were not, they were now think of, they're already broken and not in alignment. Your spinal cord is within those bones in your spinal column. Right. The spinal column protects your your cord. Your spinal cord. When they did the head tilt, chin lift, I even asked that particular paramedic, I said, what did you do? Oh, I checked his airway. No, no, no. What did you do? Because I'm trying to get him to specifically say that you moved his neck.
0: And tilted it right, right.
1: Exactly. Even he kept avoiding my question. I asked him about three or four times, what did you do specifically Mm. to clear his airway and to intubate him? Because that was a whole thing. They wanted to intubate him. Right. And finally, he told me, yeah, we had to lift his head, you know, Mm. do the whole chin lift, head tilt. So anyway, I'm not a doctor, but you can't tell me that that didn't contribute to the spinal injury. Right. Yep. and maybe it did maybe it didn't but and i'm a to clear up for the audience his spine his spinal cord was not severed Right. when you say severed that makes it sound like it was cut in half
0: right completely well, cut. that's what the that's what the preacher said the you know that was his famous words they they crushed his spinal cord with their boots
1: oh right? my gosh
0: Yeah, that's what he said. He made up
1: a whole scenario, because at no point was there any evidence of a boot
0: (laughs) on Mr. Gray's neck. But that's what he said. I remember they crushed this. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, bruh, stop it.
1: And where did he get that information from? He made it up. Now, there (laughs) were supposedly, now, there were witnesses at the scene that said, oh, he was beaten by police. Well, none of the evidence shows that he was beaten. Nowhere. Right. He didn't have any other injuries except for that one injury in on the top of his skull that was consistent with the bolt in the back of the wagon right. and the spinal cord injury. That was it. Right. So it wasn't severed in half. It wasn't it had a slit. It had a, a cut in it. Right. So that's what the. But they always. I mean. I and mean, I'm not minimizing. But yeah, it, it it was still a serious injury. But I want to have the audience understand that there's certain trigger words that the media uses mm-hmm. to make something sound far worse than what it is. Yeah. And to sensationalize a situation because that's what sells.
0: Yep. Exactly. And
1: again, this was a hot topic at the moment. Yep. Yep. You know. So yep. that's pretty much the what happened now there's a whole lot of investigating that went on in between it that task force had to write warrants i had to write warrants for the cell phones so and i know we're going to get into some of the mis the prosecutorial misconduct (laughs) and some of the um what do we call it the the sneaky behind the scenes things that were (laughs) that were done by the state's attorney's office to support her narrative yep and not necessarily the facts.
0: yeah Yep. The shenanigans. The truth. Yeah. The shenanigans oh
1: cause... my god. The shenanigans is the perfect word.
0: Yeah. So he passes away, um, and then, you know, the, the the all the speculation starts, and and then again, you have certain members of the press, and then you have certain again members of the Christian, supposed to be Black Christian community, who start coming out, and they start looking at it. From my point, and a lot of other officers, like again, we were down in D.C. at the time, and I know a lot of these, you know, people, because again, I'm from Baltimore, so I'm looking at these people right. like, no, like you're 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 setting yourself up for a payday, because let's find out what happened. If the officers wrong, that's fine, like we all we all bear that burden, but let's find out the truth about right. what Before happened. Before you pay. Before right. exactly, and that's where, you know, that's when it was like, like you said, it was like a whole a whole line of comedic comedic affairs because you had a mayor who basically, it, you know, again looking from a distance, it seemed like she ran and she ran and hid. You had a police commission at that time. I think he was new. He had he mm-hmm. he didn't know how Baltimore worked. and it was kind of like, um hmm, I don't really know what to do with this, right? Mm -hmm. And then then she went to her bunker and disappeared for days. And it was like, what should I do? So it was like, okay, who's running this city? And then the riots started. And it was like, Mm -hmm. wait, wait, like, where's, where? It was like a rudderless ship. Nobody stood up there. Like the wrong people were talking. The wrong people were talking. And then it got into... Okay, we're gonna charge these officers. So again, I'll let you take it from there, but tell us, tell us about parts of that the, the autopsy and how it's supposed to go as a as how but how it went with the with the U oh, I'm sorry, state attorney down there. So
1: we had in the during this whole investigation and uh, we only had a week because our commissioner went out and gave a date oh we'll have we'll have a, we'll have this wrapped up by I think he said May May 8th or May 10th or something like that and we're like huh how can you give a date investigations can take weeks months you right. give but I, I but I know it was all political to stop the you know to, to calm the city down right. and to give us the body some time I guess so um but during our meetings we, we had called we had a war room and it's kind of like to paint the picture it's like when you watch law and order and some of those other shows where they have all the pictures on the wall and then they have the lines drawn to who's connected to whom and right. you know right. what job and whatever so we had that whole we had that whole setup and every day we had two days we met in the war room in the morning and we met in the at, in the afternoon and we were given our instructions on what we need to do. We had meetings, like I said, we that's the, that's the time that we had the demonstrations come in to try to disprove or prove evidence um, to be false or correct. And during this time, we were supposed to meet with the medical examiner, we who was supposed to give us the autopsy report and tell us how this death happened. Right. And we were supposed to be with the state's attorney's office one meeting. Well, they didn't want to have the meeting at the same time. We had two separate meetings. So the medical investigation said that they found that pretty much he had sustained the injuries while in transport. We knew that. They said that it could not be ruled an accident. And they made it a homicide. But when they talked to us, they related it to like, um, and she's these are her exact words. It was like diving into a pool you know a shallow pool head first that's the kind of neck injury that he sustained so you know that would sound like it would come from an accident not somebody stepping or crushing his neck, his
0: neck. right
1: you know uh, so but to, and i to the way we understand it it wasn't going to be ruled a homicide but it couldn't be ruled an accident Okay. So we knew there was going to be some type of negligent charge, something. We we knew something like that was probably going to come, which is fair. Right. So, but apparently the state's attorney's office, am I still here? Okay. So apparently something different was said to the state's attorney's office and she went ahead and came down with the charges of what she gave second degree depraved heart murder. False mm-hmm. mm-hmm. reckless endangerment, manslaughter. So these, whatever was said in their meeting, that's what the charges ended up being.
0: Some so we charges I've never heard. Of. I mean,
1: we, the the premeditated murder, we heard it, but we've never charged anybody with right, it. That, right, right. my point. Where, where you know, yeah, and I guess because they didn't take action, and they they directly contributed to his death. And that's where that came from. So it's just not something that we use all the time. But um, we were shocked. It was like, I know we turned over, I can't even tell you how many binders of evidence. It would have taken her a week to review all of that evidence. We gave her that evidence on, I believe it was a Thursday, and by Friday morning, She's already on the on the steps of City Hall City handing Hall. out handing out charges like Oprah right. hands out cards. Right. So we were we were right. like, we, we we just spent weeks investigating this thing, right. and she didn't even re- review our evidence. So if you ask me, and you asked me about who actually came up with the charging documents, so go ahead, Kenny. let's okay, let's so, talk about that.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, from. My time working in Baltimore as a police officer at no time has the Baltimore City Sheriff's Department, no offense to those guys and women who work for that department, but at no time has Baltimore City Sheriff's Department ever investigated a homicide. Ever. Ever, 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 because to be honest, they're not qualified to because let's be real, you have homicide detectives and you have detectives that that's their job and their expertise. So when that happened, we knew that the, the game was fixed because I will say <laughs> this, right? Um, the short time that I got detailed to, it was cold case down there when I was down cold case to like six months with them guys with Kevin and all them, Kevin Brown and all them up there. Those yeah. guys are some of the best. And I'm sitting there looking at them like man, y'all do this every day and I'm, you know, I'm following them, learning and just stuff and I'm like, I'm amazed and they they're good at what they do, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to tell me you're taking this away from the professionals who do this, right? And giving it to the Baltimore City Sheriff's Department, who at that time weren't even fully I, I'm gonna say fully sworn, but they didn't they're not they're not out there answering calls. They're not, you know, they serve no,
1: they had those stu- they warrants.
0: serve warrants and, and summonses for the court. For
1: right. The courthouse Call
0: support matters. That's it. Stuff like that. Right? Administrative stuff. Yeah, so we're not <laughs> knocking them, right? That's your job. Respect. But she took and gave a whole investigation the Baltimore City Sheriff's Department because in my my point of view was like, you knew that homicide was not going to, you know, tag on to her, her foolishness and go, nah, that's not what we found. That's, on not that's what we not the... Exactly. Life. We had exactly. homicide
1: on the task force. So exactly. they were involved exactly. in this investigation from start to finish. Like I said, we turned over evidence on a Thursday. How did the sheriff, they, did they read any of the evidence? How, how were they able to go out and write warrants based on what facts and what evidence? Because they were not investigating, so it made no right. sense. She gave them a narrative that she wanted them to write in those warrants, and that's what they did. Now, let's talk about the big blunder, how they went and served the wrong person, the wrong Brian Rice.
0: Ooh. Did you know about that? See, we didn't know, see, nobody knew
1: about that. Oh, yeah, they went and served the wrong b- Brian Rice. These wow. guys were like and, and, and I hate to talk about them because I think one of them is actually a high ranking um sheriff right now. One of the sheriffs I'm talking about that yeah, she had to do with yeah. yeah. So but yeah, they, they they made a blunder. And you know, so it's like they had no clue what was going on. None. She used them. Yeah. <laughs> <to file> <laughs> and and they and they allowed themselves to be used. To be used.
0: Right. Because yeah. it's a political that sheriff is a political appointment, right? Yep. So yes.
1: our evidence did not fit her at narrative all. at, at all.
0: all. At all. So let me get this sheriff's department. Because if I don't like what they're gonna do, because I know the truth is gonna be out. Mm-hmm. Let me get somebody who's gonna, you know, support me and go, okay, uh, we're gonna go ahead and investigate a homicide. Again, I'ma
1: say this loud. Oh, they did not investigate. They just simply wrote the charges. Wow. There was no investigation by the Sheriff's Department. Wow.
0: Because I was going to say, how could they be? Like, how <laughs> could it be trained to investigate
1: exactly. homicide? They didn't have access to our war room meetings. They weren't present at any... They, they weren't writing the warrant. I wrote the <laughs> warrants for the cell phones, and let's talk about... Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> anyway, that's how I ended up on to do not call this. So let's... <laughs> it, Kenny, this thing goes so deep. This was the... This case the was like, on, No. Man.
0: Yes. yes, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I, you know, it, it they so fast, it's like, oh, here's, let's settle, let's move on. And that's what, because everybody with common sense, every law enforcement officer, and again, even people like my mom, my mom, who is a Democrat, was, she said to me, i never forget, she said, Kenny, there's something not quite right about that lady.
1: Mm-hmm. talk about
0: the state attorney because mm-hmm. you know you really want the truth get it from old black women and old black men because they <laughs> what they will tell you what they feel and what's right right so you uh-huh. even felt that investigation she was like nah that don't', that don't right they said, they, they charged them with what I said, yeah ma like I never we've never used that charge ever in murder like but she dug I, that one up.
1: <laughs> she she went and dug that. When up, like, what can I charge them with? And and look, if she can charge, let's let's be, you you can charge whatever you want to charge, but can you prove it? Can and prove that's it. what's important. So all those charges you brought against six different officers, you could not prosecute one successfully. Yeah, because the yeah. evidence just wasn't there. And I don't yeah. care what narrative she tried to use; it just wasn't there, and she knew it. And when the detectives on my team refused to go with her nonsense, we even presented evidence to them that shows that he had a prior back injury.
0: Right. That's what I was about.
1: Yeah, we can't say that. And and, and because, like I said, we're not doctors. We don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But we just showed it. We we offered it to her. It came up in the course of our investigation. So we gave her that. I gave it to you. I'm going to call her name, Jan Bledsoe. I gave it to her. That was one of the attorneys on Marilyn Mosby's team. She told me, I don't want that. That doesn't help my case. Wow. You do not turn down evidence because all evidence is discoverable.
0: Wow. There you so go. that
1: and alone told me, okay, something's not right here. Right here right, right. And then I was told to write the warrants. I'm going to speak on this one. So I went and I wrote, I, I, with the help of the state's attorney, his name was Albert Pisinger. I'm calling names. I'm retired. Oh, well. Drop everything them. I'm saying, everything I'm saying is fact and true. Drop um, them. I had help writing the warrants because these were for their cell phones. I guess they were looking for any evidence that maybe they text back and forth, you know, about whatever happened. Just anything we could pot. Like I tell you, we we left no stone unturned. Right. So I wrote the warrants, wrote the uh, wrote the narratives for the warrants with the help of the state's attorney's office. I took it to a judge. The first judge says, "No, I can't grant you this warrant." These warrants, because there's not enough evidence that would that there's not a probable cause for me to take their phones, their personal phones, or their departmental phones and search the phones. It just it just right. there was no reason. She did she couldn't connect the Nexus. Like why do we need the phones? Right. Okay. Right. A judge says no. A judge says no. What you're supposed to do legally is rewrite that warrant and either find the evidence, you know, or make it so that it'll show show your probable cause. Well. Mind you, we're in these war room sessions. So when we came, we reconvened for the second time. I said, listen, I presented the warrants to the judge. Judge denied them because there wasn't evidence. I texted the uh, Albie Pisinger, and I asked him, I said, do you, I said, do you, should we get together so we can um, rewrite these warrants and show probable cause? He says, no, take them to, I'm not going to name this judge because I don't know if he's still on the bench. Uh, It was a circuit uh, court uh, judge. He says, no, take him to judge so-and-so. Wow. So I'm like, wait a minute. Now, wow. I ain't know for mine. you know, that's wow. called judge shopping. Wow. You Man. just asked me to break the law, sir. Wow. So I'm in a tough wow. predicament now. I'm, I'm, I'm on this task force. I've been given a task to do. I told them my warrants were denied and they were like, take him to another judge. And I'm sitting here like, I know that's illegal. Cause we already Pressure.
0: talked. About <laughs> Pressure. Pressure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we already
1: so, talked to this dude. I wrote what was called a ninety-five. You remember
0: ninety-five?
1: So, yeah, yeah. So I wrote. Wow. It's called. It's like a. It's an interdepartmental administrative report. Just covering my own butt, saying, "Hey, listen. On this time, this date and time, I presented these warrants. I was told by so and so to do such and such. I don't feel comfortable with this, but this is a." This is a serious investigation. This is made worldwide news. I got to do something. So I go to this other judge. And the protocols that were normally in place, like swearing an officer in, saying that everything Mm -hmm. in these warrants are true to the best of your knowledge and recollection, blah, 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 blah. I didn't have to do. This judge signed every last one of those warrants without (laughs) question. And it was at that (laughs) moment. (laughs) Wait Wait a minute. Let
0: Let me get this straight. We bring warrants to judges because everybody should know that. You have to swear on Mm -hmm. this document that he's signed. So on a case like this, I want to make this clear. He did not swear you in? Nope.
1: Nope. Nope. and, and, And let me tell you, so you had six separate offices, right? Two phones each. I had to write separate warrants for each phone. So that was 12 separate warrants. And he just breathed, hand me the next one, 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 and just signed Again,
0: them on. And I'm standing
1: there like, I, was, I couldn't believe it. Wow. Again,
0: yeah. we and let me make this clear, we are not making light of Freddie Gray's death. Not at all. Right? At all. Not at all. But what we are dealing with and digging into is this, you can you can't even label it as nothing but corruption here because they they had an agenda and they wanted this agenda done at all mm-hmm. costs because
1: excuse me anybody any means
0: right if you do that as an officer now you'll get arrested and and yeah.
1: that's
0: it's bigger than the police sometimes and people really really need to kind of understand it and then that's why like i said that's why we speak on stuff like this on this platform and i love it but so when this thing goes to court and we we kind of knew it was so Wait, i gotta go
1: back i gotta go back real quick before you move on and i'm gonna make it okay. quick No, no. i knew at that point you know how you, you you see a whole career flash in front of your <laughs> face i had right. one of those moments like, I, I don't have enough time on to retire. Right. I, I don't want to get fired, right. but I know this ain't right. So right, and it's just so crazy. So what I did was I took those warrants back to the court. I refused to serve them. So I didn't want the listeners to think I just did this illegal thing. <laughs> so yeah. I had to yeah. vindicate myself. I did not yeah. serve those warrants, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I did not serve the warrants. <laughs> Right. I right. took them back to the court, gave them back to the judge, and said, "I am not serving these warrants." And that, when I, i was going I pissed the state's attorney's office
0: off. I was about to say you. you...
1: Oh, they were not with me, so I became
0: the enemies. Oh, no,
1: here?
0: You. Okay. Yeah, I got
1: you. No misconduct, no no complaints against me, but I'm on a do not call list. That was straight wow. vindictive. that was her being vindictive and trying to hurt me and discredit me.
0: Right. Because I wouldn't right. serve
1: those warrants. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah, we can move on. That's
0: that's just so so who did they give this so did they give those to the sheriff's department to sign? I mean to serve?
1: No. They were never served because so they were never the served because they, they, they were arrested right after that. So they had taken all of the officers in custody. I'm like, well, can't serve them now. <laughs> They're in jail, so it worked out. So uh-huh. those those warrants never got served.
0: So who's arrest warrant?
1: Um, I don't know what judge signed those because, again, like you said, the sheriffs handled that. We did not handle the arrest warrants. Wow. But I tell you what. I did walk Sergeant White into the jail and walking her in, it broke my heart.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, she walked in, you know, with she she dressed nice and nothing against the other people, but they walked in with jeans and T-shirts like they just didn't give right. a damn. But this right. young, right. brand right. newly promoted sergeant, she came in looking professional with her quarter attire on to go to jail. Right. And she held her head high yeah. and to watch her walk in with her dignity, like no matter yeah. what you accuse that, that young lady of doing, she knew yeah. that she did nothing wrong. And she walked in that jail and her being so young. When I tell you, I have so much respect for Sergeant White and yeah. I cried and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. And that was the last investigation I've ever had. As a detective in the Baltimore Police Department.
0: Because she she had just got promoted, right? Brand new
1: sergeant. Brand new, right. young, young, right. sharp young lady.
0: Right. And 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 yep. for the audience, see, let let's let's because it, I'm gonna throw it out there because everybody uses color a lot of times. But people use color. She was mm-hmm. black, right? Yeah, yeah. she was yeah. black. She's a black female. Let's
1: look at the list. Caesar Goodson was black. Porter was right. black. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, Brian Rice, Nero, and Miller they were white. Right. So, but three of those officers, three officers were black, and three officers were white.
0: Right. Which it, it tell you. That's what I'm saying. It's like they're gonna step on you, and she stepped on every single one of those officers for her own. And, and again, in my opinion. For her own good like you know right. and and it was political it was just to me political grandstanding and all facets and it, it hurt them guys like i said i think they were what awful for a whole year without pay or something um, like that. some
1: of them some of them yeah because of the charges
0: right but then all yeah. of them got got back and got like uh positions their own like new, you know new yeah. positions right then they get to choose right. where they want to go and stuff like that yeah
1: yeah Sergeant okay. white's still that's- there I know for a fact um I can't I know some of the others are there I don't know where they went you know right. I know they didn't go back to patrol you know but some of them I, I don't know who left and who's still there I retired so right. but wow um, no they made out I mean but they made out okay departmentally but their reputations and you know that' that's gonna be forever tarnished because no matter even if they weren't charged successfully I mean they weren't um convicted. That's still hanging over their heads forever. Their names are everywhere. I mean, it, yeah. it was worldwide news, and worldwide. they can't live that down. Right. And no matter how right. how much we talk about this and how much we reveal that this was not what everybody thought it was, people are still going to have their opinions.
0: Yeah. Told them they did this. They did. And again, I it, it, this is not to change anybody's opinion when we do these stories, but we. want to give it truth because a lot of like like i said a lot of times we don't get the truth we get the media's version of it and not what really occurred because a lot of times we are there we see the stuff that occurred that we can't we can't speak right because that's the policy of the departments we have pios and 90 percent of the time PIOs don't even show up to that stuff anymore or they give bland right. statements or, you know.
1: Exactly. They, they, have, they have pre-written statements that they are allowed to give, you right. know, and they can't speak on. So that's why I said it's a good thing that um, I I was directly on the front line of this investigation and I'm no longer employed by the police department. So I can actually Let's speak on want. I wish listeners could call in and ask questions because this would be really good because I know people have a lot of questions. And We're going to do we that. We're not going to cover everything.
0: Yeah, we're we going to do that. We're working on that because, like I said, with with good um, investors and sponsors, their equipment and things like that. So I'm actually working on that where okay. they're going to be able to call in and talk to us about, you know, questions and even text the questions while we live and, you know, yeah. things like that. So we're so on So i tell you track. what.
1: So we can revisit this again. And oh, for will. anybody listening, if you write if you if you're listening to this podcast tonight and you want to ask me questions or ask Kenny anything about this, let's talk about this again where you guys can actually pick apart the things that we're talking about. Ask those questions that are in your mind. Cause I don't know what you all want to know. I can tell you things from my perspective, but some people have specific questions that I may be able to answer so let's do this again okay
0: gotcha we, we will definitely do this again and we'll do it soon and let's see um matter of fact i'm gonna try in for next week and what we'll try to do, hopefully we'll have it set up where they can leave questions or at least call in or text or whatever and we'll do it that way because i think this is a great topic um, that people really want to know about and they really, you know, want to hear and should hear. They should hear what their elected officials do when they got their backs turned. You know what I mean? And be careful, again, yeah. who you vote in sometimes because you're like, oh, they, they're, they're, they're my skin color so I can relate. Hey, it's not mm-hmm. always about that, you know? I know about that. You got to get the best person in there, you know, out Absolutely. of the two or three. So, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to revisit this. And again, I want you to the podcast because you are my co-host. You're my official co-host now. And I'm happy because you're going to add some spice to this and the women's side of it and the women's view and all that other stuff. And I'm happy to have you, Kitty.
1: I'm glad to be here, Kitty. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. And I will reach out to you in a few.
1: Good night.
0: All right. Good night.